Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hello and welcome to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and today's episode is the one episode that I do every season where it's a solo. So it's just me today. And before I get into uh, this week's episode, a couple of announcements from the Atman Yoga School. So our upcoming Restore and Yoga Nidra teacher training in October is completely sold out. So if you didn't get a place, I'm sorry, but registration is open for our next Restore and Yoga Nidra teacher training in March in Oslo. So you can send us an email at hello at atmanyogaschool.com if you want to join us. And then besides that, I have a super exciting announcement and I kind of kept it under wraps, but then I've sort of started talking about it. So might as well just let the cat out of the bag. But what I have been very busy working behind the scenes on is uh, getting ready to launch the Atman Yoga School online. So this is an online yoga studio and yoga school that is a premier a la carte offering. So there's no monthly membership. It's it's nothing like that, but it is um, a place where you can come and you can download single purchase, no commitment, asana classes, teacher training lectures, specialty workshops, and even courses. So this is something that I have been wanting to do for a long time. And I woke up one morning this summer. I was like, oh, time is now. And it's funny how timing works. Um, and anyways, so keep an, uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, the launch date is going to be hopefully in September and it's going to be beautiful, super easy to use. And yeah, I'm just thrilled. So that's where a lot of my energy behind the scenes is right now. All right, so it's funny because that sort of leads me into the topic for the solo episode. And this topic, I've, I've been thinking a lot about it. What did I want to talk about? And I've been asking people, what would you like to hear? And I've been getting a lot of kind of the same feedback where it seems like a lot of people have questions or are struggling with these ideas or um, emotions of anxiety, of fear, boundaries, and how do you handle stress and a sense of overwhelm? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a, a familiar topic for me as well. So I've been thinking a lot about this, and I just come back to um, a saying, and I don't even know who said it, I wish I could credit them, but it's the saying that no is a complete sentence. So I say this in teacher training a lot, um, when we talk about boundaries, when we talk about energy, specifically uh, when we hold space as a yoga teacher, but I think this is so applicable for anyone, even outside the scope of yoga. And for me, this is what I've really been trying to work on as a way to protect my energy, to help calm down a revved up nervous system, to calm myself and be like, hey, everything is okay. You don't need to overcommit. You don't need to feel bad about saying no. And I think this is a little bit of, well, actually, I think this is a lot of a difficult skill to learn. We have FOMO, fear of missing out. And it seems like with the 24-hour news cycle and with constant connection to social media, 
it's really difficult to not compare yourself to others and really difficult to not feel like you're missing out on something. And we want to have fun. We want to be social. We want to go hang out with our friends. But then also for many of us within our work life and our career, there's also this like overdriving pressure to do more, to be better, to grow faster, to get that promotion faster, whatever the case might be. And I think that actually it's this idea of learning how to prioritize and manage time in a way that maybe we've never really considered before. I know as an American, uh, part of our culture is really all about go, 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 do more, do it in less time, do it better. And I absolutely take on a lot of those traits. And as an entrepreneur in particular, If you don't work hard, (laughs) your business doesn't succeed, you don't get paid, and then there's this whole cycle of then you're comparing yourself to other entrepreneurs and how far they've come and how successful their career seems, keyword here, seems, perceptions, everything, Um, and then perhaps start going down this like spiral of negativity of like, oh, why can't I do more? Why am I so tired? Why do I feel anxious all the time? And it becomes then easier to procrastinate. And then when we procrastinate, that anxiety builds even more and it turns into this vicious cycle. So in yoga and in Ayurveda, we talk a lot about ritual, self-care. I mean, this is like in the the wellness industrial complex now. Everything is all about self-care Sundays and how do you take care of yourself and how do you pamper yourself and there's two ways of looking at it. The first way is on the very superficial level, like, oh, you go get your nails done, you get your hair done, you go get a massage. Okay, you're taking care of yourself. Sure, true, you are. But that's from a very uh, external viewpoint. Then we think about self-care on this very deep, nourishing, intimate level. And so it might not look anything like (laughs) getting your nails done or even getting a facial or things like that. So from this more holistic viewpoint, the question of self-care is really about nourishing your energy levels. And I talk about this a lot in terms of Ayurveda and Ojas and healthy energy reserves and building up this kapic energy so that you can support yourself as you move throughout your day and your life and the way in which we extend energy, the way in which we spend, quote unquote, our energy. Most of us are very externally connected. And so there's emails and phone calls and conversations and thinking and planning. And then, of course, if you live in a big city, commuting. I know for myself, that's something that uh, I was surprised by how much energy it actually drained from me. And that sounds really silly. It's like, oh, okay, well, everybody has to commute, whether you're on a bike or you're in a car, or you're on the train. But for me, my commute, depending on where I'm going, since I live outside of Oslo a little bit, depending where on the city, where in the city I'm going, my commute can be up to an hour and a half one way. And so then I have to really make a decision. Is it worth it for me to go into town, to go to that event, to go to that yoga class, to go meet somebody for coffee? And it's a real trade-off 
like, okay, sure. That sounds really great. Like I'm going to get something from that, whatever the activity is, get something from that, that counterbalances the energy I expend getting to the train station, getting on the train, sitting there, then perhaps transferring onto the tram, the trick or the subway or whatever, dealing with all of the energy of the people around. So I've thought about this. I'm like, wow, okay, now I'm really taking a hard line on prioritizing the activities that I do and how I spend my time and my days. And this is why I keep coming back to this idea of no is a complete sentence. I love that it sort of very quickly clarifies. And for me, it's been a useful, helpful gauge in being like, hmm, is this something I want to do? Or do I feel like this is something I should do? That idea of the should is so dangerous because we trick ourselves into thinking we want to do something, that we have to do something. And we forget that we, in fact, do have a choice. We do have the ability to say no. We do have the ability to create strong boundaries. And we just sort of give our power away in many circumstances. And there's another quote. uh, Also, I have no idea who said this, but when we say yes to others, we say no to ourselves. When we say yes to others, we say no to ourselves. And this isn't true 100% of the time, of course not. And from the yogic perspective, it's like, okay, well, the question is, how can I be of service? How can I help others? How can I be productive? How can I be positive? Rather than being a drain or detracting or being a burden on others or on society. So that's one side of the coin. How can I be of service? And being of service requires us to give something from ourselves with no expectation of a return, no expectation of getting an accolade or a pat on the back or even recognition. But then we have to balance that with this very um, deep sense of responsibility to ourselves and saying, gosh, I would love to help that person or I would love to participate in that activity. But actually, in this particular instance, it's much more important for me to say no, to say no to them, to say no to whatever it is, and say yes to myself. So when we do this, it's really reframing uh, the way in which we make decisions. And instead of being in this place of fear, fear of missing out, fear of not networking, fear of losing out on business, fear of uh, losing out on friendships, fear of losing out on relationships even, uh, how do we shift that into this other kind of newer wellness term, uh, JOMO, joy of missing out. So we see that, wow, actually, When I say no to going to that party or that dinner and I stay home and I drink some tea and I read a book and I take a nice long bath or a shower and I sit in stillness and and have a lot more calm energy, a lot more introspective, a lot more turning inward, that that actually for many of us is going to be much more rewarding, much more satisfying than going through the hoopla of going to a social event or a work engagement if we have the choice, of course, with work. Um, So for me, I am really thinking about getting out of the superficial self-care 
and don't get me wrong. I love a superficial self-care. Um, my husband makes a lot of fun of me <laughs> because our bathroom is just covered in all of my uh, natural organic body care products. And I have spoken on this podcast about my Dinacharya practices and how I wind down from my day. And this is a really sacred practice for myself uh, that I've honed well over a decade. And um, I really notice when I miss it, like if I'm traveling or if I'm uh, doing something else, then I, I can't commit to that. And the next day, I just feel a little less grounded, a little less comfortable in my own skin than the days that I do do my dinacharya. Um, so dinacharya itself, though, is not necessarily a superficial self-care practice because there can be so much more that goes into it. If you have your meditation and your asana, if you have a chanting practice, if you have an inquiry practice, all of that can be incorporated into your daily self-care routine or a personal hygiene routine. But if we are looking beyond that, if we're like, okay, that's great. I'm already doing all of that, Jessica. I'm using my essential oils. I'm having face masks. I'm doing that stuff. But I still am experiencing like that nagging fear, anxiety, that sense of unease or restlessness that I think many of us experience. And that aggravates stress because then all of a sudden our sympathetic nervous system, the, the fight or flight nervous system is constantly on overdrive. And I would say that many of us are operating, going through our day-to-day -day life in this chronic state of depletion. We're depleting the adrenals, we're um, aggravating all of the stress hormones in the body, and somehow that becomes our new normal. So instead of our normal state being calm and relaxed, even when we have a rough day, our natural state is now these elevated heart rate pulse, sweaty palms, feeling agitated, shifting our gaze a lot, and not feeling this sense of grounding or stability. So how do we flip it? How do we move it around? And you know, I also want to be really clear here, you guys, I do not have all the answers. I am not an expert in this, but I can share from my experience and I can share from my observations um, that I've, I've gained through my practices of yoga and meditation and also my experiences of trying to uh, handle this while talking to a lot of other people who experience many of the same symptoms. So just because you're a yogi or a yoga teacher does not mean this is not a reality for you. But if we begin to really think about nourishing practices that feed our soul, that allow us to tap into more of the parasympathetic nervous system, then we start to feel better. We start to feel calmer. And there's such a contrast. We're like, wow, okay, this is what it feels like to not be stressed. This is what it feels like to not be overwhelmed. And then hopefully that's becoming the motivation for us to make sustainable changes and these deeper levels of self-care so the best way that I know is time, saying no. And this one is a hard one for me because especially two reasons. First of all, I'm an extroverted introvert. 
So what that means is I love to be social. I love to go to events. I love to go to dinners. I love to go to parties, but I require a huge amount of personal private still time in order to recharge my batteries. And this is one of the reasons my husband and I live in the country. (laughs) There's nobody around. It's beautiful. It's quiet. It's nature. And for both me and him, that's something we know about ourselves, that that is what we need to feel more grounded and more connected, even though we then get a little uh, burnt out from the commute. So it's a balancing act. And I try to uh, stack my days. So when I go into Oslo, when I have a teaching assignment or I've teacher training, well, usually in teacher training, that's all, all I can do. It's 10 hours a day. But um, if I have some other type of activity, I try to stack so that everything's all at once and I don't have to go into town every day. And this is a part, a big part of the reason why I cut back on my teaching schedule this fall. Um, I was teaching three yoga classes a week in the spring, plus teacher training, and then everything behind the scenes with administration of running my school and trying to plan future events and trainings and, and lots and lots of emails. And I found that just having to go into town five or six days a week was really taking a toll on me. And so now I just go in on Tuesdays. I I teach Tuesdays. And if I can, if I need to have meetings, I try to schedule them on Tuesdays and be at home the rest of the time. So this is an example of how I tried to restructure and reprioritize based on wanting to say no as a way to practice deep abiding self-care. And this is really tricky because here's the second part. Um, I also am running a business and my business is based on networking and on people getting to know me and coming to my yoga class and wanting to decide if they want to come study further with me or take workshops with me. And so that means I have to be out in the community. I have to be doing things. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I have my dream job. And some days I actually will just sit there in my inquiry practice and be like, wow, the twists and turns are pretty exciting (laughs) of my life to me. And hopefully they're pretty exciting to you uh, regarding your own life also. And so there is a little bit of an element of gratitude that comes in, even as we feel overwhelmed or even as we feel stressed. I'm stressed from running my business, but I love it at the same time. So it's this really strange position. And, um, you know, I think being really honest is such an important part of being uh, an authentic yoga teacher. And for my business, the Atman Yoga School, I have a couple of core beliefs. And when I created my school four and a half years ago, these core beliefs were things that I want to always strive my best to embody and to be an example of. And one of those is transparency. Uh, I try to be transparent with my teachers. I try to be transparent about money when um, I'm writing contracts, when I'm negotiating salaries, when I'm negotiating with the studios that I partner with. I always tell them I want to be transparent. I want to be open. I want to be honest. I want there to be no question about my integrity and also about my intentions Um, how I want to run my business. And when I'm sharing things like this on my podcast, it's because I think it's really inspiring to hear how other teachers run business. Um, It's the yoga world. So 
weird in a lot of ways because there is so much of this scarcity mentality. Oh, if somebody else has the job, then I don't get it. And if I don't get it, then I'm never going to get another job. And um, you guys, there are more than enough opportunities for everyone in this community. And I'm speaking on a global perspective. And yeah, maybe there is a little bit more hustle. Maybe there is a little bit more brainstorming or creative thinking that has to go into it to create a job for yourself. But that's the most exciting thing about yoga, I think, from the business perspective, is you can do whatever you want. You can create whatever you want, but you have to be convicted about what it is you're offering. If you half-ass it, you're going to struggle as a yoga teacher. And... Um, you know, the yoga world is rough in many, many ways. And I would say definitely more so in the States than in Norway. And I see so many teachers who burn out and it's because they're, they're going, 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 they're giving, 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 and there's not really a way for them to create these deep nourishing rituals, routines, self-care because they're not able to say no. They feel like they have to say yes to every opportunity. And I have been there, you guys. I used to hustle so hard, and um, I still am hustling. But I have a little different perspective now because my health is so important to me. The quality of my life is so important to me. And I actually have sat with money. I have sat with success. And what I have, how do I define that? And so this is something I recommend for all yoga teachers or anybody in the wellness or mindfulness community and figure out what your bottom line is. What do you need to be financially supported so that you feel safe? What's your bottom line? And then once you figure that out, of course, it's, it's always great to make more money and, and feel even more safe and maybe be able to save for retirement or start doing investments or um, something like that. But trying to maybe alter your expectations. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but in a way that's not like, oh, I want to make a million dollars, then I'll be happy. No. If you make a million dollars, awesome. You're doing something right. But if you can live and feel safe off of 30,000 a year US rather than 60,000, then great. Maybe once you've you've picked that dollar amount, whatever it is for you based on where you live, um, or, you know, in Norway, maybe that's, you know, 300,000 kroner, maybe it's less than that. Then what happens is actually you're letting go. Once you you come to that amount, you're like, okay, that's my target. Anything above and beyond is great, but I'm not going to hustle so hard just for that. What happens is, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but what happens is you actually energetically are releasing this death grip on the scarcity mentality. So instead of being like, oh my God, I got to go. Okay. I got to take that job. I don't want to, but I have to and go there and okay, maybe I need to get some more privates. Maybe I need to do some more corporate yoga. Maybe I need to, oh shoot, should I be doing online yoga? Oh my God. Should I do a course? You are ramping your nervous system when you get into those thought patterns and it becomes very difficult to slow it down. And once you've created that energy, that momentum towards, oh, I need more. I need more. I need more. You have a very hard time. We have a hard time. I have a hard time stepping away from that and trusting. And, you know, I am not going to say trust the universe. 
Do I believe it? Sure, I do. But I also think that's a cop out uh, for teachers to be like, oh, just trust the universe. Everything's going to be roses and butterflies and great. Like, (laughs) we do have to have trust. We do have to have faith over fear. But we also have to be realistic as householders and yogis who have bills and responsibilities and children and things that we have to pay money for. So it's a really interesting pretty charged conversation to have when we're coming back to this idea of saying no, holding strong boundaries, even if it's something you want to do or something you think you should do. And so as I've been putting this into practice, saying yes to myself, I have totally found that actually I get more work. (laughs) And then I get stressed because I'm like, oh my God, I have more work and I want more work, but I also want to enjoy my life with my husband. Um, You know, I've had a a lot of ups and downs the last five, six years. And and my husband had some health issues when we were in the States and we were moving constantly and uh, we were living paycheck to paycheck and just very, very stressful. And then I got sick and then we immigrated to Norway and trying to start a business in a country where you have no real connection to the community is incredibly stressful, incredibly difficult. And so the first few years I was here in Norway, I was like, hustle, hustle, hustle. I have to say yes to every single opportunity that comes my way because I'm building a business and I'm new to this community. It tired me out, man. So um, I'm so grateful. And I, I, I always tell Jonas, I'm like, I am so happy that I said yes to everything. But now it's time for me to start saying no, no to others, no to other jobs, other opportunities, so that I can say yes to me, yes to our family, yes to our home, yes to our dogs, and also make space for new projects. So it's not like you're just saying no to stuff and then just doing nothing, although I am a huge advocate of that. I think everybody should sit at home and do nothing occasionally. It's good for the soul to not feel guilty about doing nothing. Oh, it's probably one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Look out my window at nature, drink some tea, listen to the birds or the sheep in the background as their bells go ding, ding, ding. I love that. So this is, um, you know, tricky because... Not everybody feels like they are in a position to have choice or power over their schedule. And I imagine that if you have children, that this can feel even more aggravating or more agitating. You're like, okay, great. Well, I could do this if it was just me, but now I have a kid or I have two kids or three kids and you have to manage their schedules and their activities and everything. But I wonder what would happen if we didn't, would perhaps actually there be more joy, more of a sense of calm, more of a sense of peace in our children, in our households, if instead of going into this like crazy helicopter parent mode where we're overscheduling kids and overstimulating them, what if we just sent them outside to eat dirt, run around, hug some trees, catch some frogs? I think this can be so, so healing. And Ayurveda says that too. Spending time in nature is one of the most important things we can do. And, you know, again, of course, I don't have a kid, so I can't really speak to that, but I'm just throwing it out there. 
What if we went the other way? We have, you know, right now there's so many buzzwords and one of them is lean in. Lean in to the discomfort, lean in to the challenge, lean in to the inquiry. And I really, I do like what it stands for, but I think there's actually a risk of leaning in too far where you do over schedule and you do put too much pressure on yourself and you do compare to others. And so I kind of, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to lean out. And to me, this feels like this automatic, just like sigh of relief, (sighs) letting go. And the hardest part I think is letting go of self-expectation. So we put so much pressure in ourselves and we're so harsh and critical on our judgments of self that if we do loosen that grip a little bit and we then have to have trust, we have to have faith that we will feel more calm, we will feel more peaceful, even when we're perhaps stepping more into a space of uncertainty. Um, I think actually there's physiologically something that happens where the body goes, oh, you heard, thank you. Now I can relax. And it's this push-pull, what we think we should do and what we need to do. And for myself, what I need to do is rest more. Take more time to walk in nature. Take more time to not feel like I've got to go here and there and errands and then dinner and then meeting for coffee and then this meeting. And um, there's a real sense of pride for a lot of people in being so busy We call this the disease of busyness when you meet your friend for coffee or dinner or whatever. And how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm just really busy. Yeah, me too. I'm super busy. The kids are busy and I've got this and that. And when did that happen? When did we start actually um, giving these kudos for people for being overscheduled? I don't know when it happened, but it's got to stop. And I think it can stop when we say no. No is a complete sentence, meaning you don't need to explain yourself. You don't need to go into this huge dialogue. Oh, I wish I could, but I'm really sick or I've got this or blah, blah, blah. Just say no. Catch you another time. And then turn your phone on silent or airplane mode. Go make your cup of tea and go sit in silence doing nothing. And This can be such a tricky boundary, um, especially if you suffer from people pleasing or if you want to be liked or you um, don't know how to say no. And I absolutely recognize that there are many people who don't know how to say no. And I think that can be a really challenging thing to learn. So if that's you, start small. Um, What's a, a tiny little thing that you could say no to. Well, maybe if you can't say no to something, if you're like, wow, that sounds really scary, or I'm not sure how to even start. um, I'm going to give a different option. What about trying to, in the affirmative, give voice to your needs? So many of us, women in particular, but men too, have a really hard time with accurate communication. So we tend to try and sugarcoat things. We tend to downplay things. So if you can't say no outright, can you instead be clear about what you need? Um, If you need to eat, if you're getting cranky and you're getting hangry and you're like, I need to eat now, tell people around you, tell yourself, wow, 
okay, I noticed my blood sugar's dropping. I need to get some food now. If you're thirsty, or perhaps you've forgotten to drink water for like half of the day, be like, oh, okay, as an act of, of deep nourishing self-care, I'm going to give voice to my needs and say, wow, I'm thirsty. I need to get some water right now. And I know these are kind of silly and you're like, well, yeah, I tell people I'm hungry all the time (laughs) or I say, oh, I'm so tired all the time. You need to start making uh, uh, rituals and routines to help yourself go to bed at a reasonable hour. Get on a routine where you go to sleep at the same time every night and you get up at the same time every morning. A couple of days of that and you're going to feel so much more content, so much more relaxed and peaceful. Uh, Along those lines, maybe get yourself a pair of blue blockers. Uh, These are glasses that you can buy online on Amazon. I'm sure there's somewhere in Norway that sells them. And use these when you're on the computer or even looking at your smartphone. And especially at night before you go to bed. So this will help block those rays that are really... um, agitating to the brain activity so that then as you get ready to go to bed you're already feeling more calm you're already feeling more more relaxed rather than being all ramped up and then laying down and being like oh why can't I shut my brain off so as you start to perhaps do this affirmative practice of giving voice to your needs it does get so much easier and I know one of the things my husband and I do is when we are in, when we feel depleted energetically, uh, I can get really snappy and I, I'm one of those people I'm, I know I've shared this on the podcast. I don't get hangry. I don't get so bothered by food, but I do get bothered by sleep. And so it's a word that I use called tangry. (laughs) I start to get angry and start to throw fits if I am overtired. And this is something I know about myself that I've really observed over the years. And when I get tangry or when I feel really overwhelmed or stressed, I can be a little snippy with people around me and I can have a lot of an attitude. And uh, my husband, he's the other, other way where he'll just kind of shut down a little bit when he's tired or overwhelmed. And so we have this thing with each other where now when something's going on with one of us and it's not about the relationship, it's not about anything other than just us, we'll say, I'm sorry, this is not about you. I'm really tired or I'm feeling really stressed today or um, my shoulder hurts or I didn't sleep well or the dogs were really stressful for me today. (laughs) I have two huskies who are a lot to handle, Uh, whatever the case might be. And that's one small way of being affirmative and giving voice to your needs where I don't want my husband to misunderstand and he doesn't want me to misunderstand our emotional state. And so when we are more able to communicate clearly, that too is a way of practicing this deep nourishing self-care. And that again, the more that we strengthen our ability to communicate, the easier it does become to say no. No to activities, no to people, no to relationships. Maybe that's something that's going on for you. And um, I started this many, many years ago after college when I started saying no to friendships. And now it's not a big deal, first of all, because I've gotten rid of any friendships that no longer are energetically uh, supporting me. But I also just have no problem 
not creating relationship with people who aren't on the same wavelength as I am. And so the relationships and the friendships that I do have now are so deeply nourishing. And I love being able to be myself and feel safe and not feel like I have to put on a show or be somebody I'm not. And there is so much freedom in that. When you have people around you who can see you, I mean, that's one of the greatest human needs is to feel seen, to feel heard. And when you create friendships around you and relationships around you that are in alignment with that, then that's one of the things that can also really bring this sense of balance and grounding to your life. And I've heard something about women where actually it is our female friendships that are more nourishing than even our romantic partnerships. And I thought that was so interesting. It was a study that was done. I wish I could remember where, what it was so I could give that to you. But um, it made a lot of sense to me, actually. Um, Our romantic partners can be wonderful and, and super important, but having friendships uh, can feed us on, on just a different level. So when we're thinking about trying to balance the stress and the sense of overwhelm, um, there's a lot of things that go into it. And I think you just have to find what works for you. And so this is where journaling can, of course, become super important to just begin to sort it out, like maybe do a stream of consciousness journaling exercise where you start with the word fear, or you start with the word anxiety, or you start with the word stress and get it out on the paper. What does that feel like in your body when you feel that way? When you have those emotions, just pour it out onto the page. Uh, Where in your body do you feel it? What's your default when you feel that? So your default karmic uh, habit behavior, when you feel stressed, what do you do? When you feel fear, what do you do? When you feel anxiety, what do you do? Start to notice your patterns uh, before you even change them. Just notice, what do you do? Are you always reaching for the pint of ice cream? Are you always going for that glass of wine? Are you always going for a, a long, crazy, hard run? Whatever it is, just notice. That's the first step in in yogic inquiry is observation. And then perhaps see, is this the most supportive action that you can have when you're feeling this emotion? Or how do you introduce something new that might be more optimal or more in alignment with your, your final intention or goal of getting more peace, more calm, more grounding? One of the things that... I have on my list that I'm, I really want to do, but I have to, of course, balance it with all of my other commitments right now. Um, here in Oslo, there's a really cool pottery school. Uh, uh, what do you call that? Like a throwing, a throwing studio. And you can do, I think it's like four weeks at a time, every Monday night, every Tuesday night, whatever, when they schedule them and you go to the studio and you make your own stuff. And to me, I'm like, I took pottery in high school, like many people in the States, and I'm terrible at it. (laughs) But it's so fun. There's something very visceral and very um, tangible about putting your hands on the clay and molding it and seeing what you build and what you create. So perhaps trying to explore activities like that, that do nourish you, that do give you something on a deeper level rather than just going to, oh, okay, I keep putting off that appointment with my friend. And, you know, how many of us 
are constantly back and forth like, okay, can you do lunch on Wednesday? No, I can't. All right. Can you do it on Thursday in two weeks? Oh shoot. No, I've got a doctor's appointment. How about the following Thursday? And you go back and forth and it's just even making plans is stressful (laughs) until finally somebody just gives up and the thread of conversation dies. And then three months later, it starts again. Like, Oh, I haven't seen you. What have you been up to? Can we get together for dinner? Oh, talking about it stresses me out. So it comes back to, though, the idea of protecting your energy. And we do this as yoga teachers. We do this as humans. And when we begin to get fiercely private about our energy, shifts start to happen internally. And when those shifts happen, there's almost like it it fortifies our ability to say no. And I had an example Two weeks ago, there was an event here that I really, really wanted to go to. It was a networking event, and I'm so excited about it. And um, it was the night before a teacher training, and I was so bogged down and behind. I've been on vacation for about a month, five weeks, back and forth. When I say vacation, yes, I was. I went to Vietnam, and then my best friend was here for a week, um, and I was taking time off from work. But you guys... As an entrepreneur, you're never really off. There's always something to be taken care of. And um, I was feeling really overwhelmed. I was feeling really stressed because all of the emails in my inbox had been building up over the last month. And I have a lot of uh, projects that I need to get back to other people on. And I was like, gosh, I, I waited until the very last minute to decide. And then I was like, you know what? As much as I want to go to this event, I absolutely cannot. It's going to really stress me out even more because I'll get home really late. And then teacher training starts early the next morning. Teacher training is three days back to back, 10 hours a day. So I can't get anything else done. And so the idea of pushing off answering emails for another four days was too much. And so I was like, okay, I need to say yes to myself and say no to others. And that was like, okay, putting my advice into action. And it felt, I was bummed. I like a little part of me was like really sad. But then as soon as I made that decision and I was like, okay, I'm not going to go. Oh my God, my whole body softened. (sighs) And there was a deep sigh. I was like, okay, that's the right choice. So that's another thing. If you're struggling with, should I do this? Should I not? When it comes to a particular choice, How does your body feel when you say yes? And how does your body feel when you say no? Beginning to really utilize your intuition to help you make decisions. The more that we strengthen our connection to that inner wisdom, that inner knowing, uh, again, just the easier it becomes to really stand by your truth and to give voice to your needs. So... I don't know if any of this was helpful or not. I hope so. Uh, it's such a it's such a big topic and some such a relevant topic. Uh, but I think I'm going to leave off here so that I can go to a meeting, go teach a yoga class, go teach a private yoga class, and uh, feel good about it all because I have said yes to myself in so many ways. Um, I want to thank everybody so much for listening to this podcast. Um, When I get emails and messages and DMs on Insta, it always makes me feel so good. This is 
truly just an offering from my heart. Um, this is a way for me to build community. This is a way for me to be in the community and it just means the world to me. So thank you all so very much. And if you feel called to please share this podcast, um, rate it, review it, subscribe to it. And, um, yeah, I guess that's it. So have a wonderful day and that's it. And that's all. Bye-bye.